Welcome to By the Sword, where we discuss the modern study of historical European martial arts, or HEMA, with instructors, experts and martial artists from all over the world. In today's episode, we talk to actor, fencer, instructor and producer Kelly Costigan in the UK. We discuss swordplay on screen in the context of historical fencing. This was recorded on Instagram Live, 2nd June 2020. I have the, I have the little specs from Poundland. I changed them at the last minute, actually. I was really... I like those. I meant to tell you the last time I saw you in them, they are fantastic. <laughs> All the little sparkles have fallen out. But, oh, uh, no! They, yeah, they still sparkle a bit. Um, <laughs> they are my favourite, I think. They are lovely. So, are lovely. Um, lovely to see you. It's been a long, long time. It has. It has when indeed. did we lost each other? Uh, I can't remember now. I think Honestly. it was a event. It, it my... was an event. I think it was. Um, I think it was English small sword. In Oxford. Oh, the English... That has to be it. That's the last I can remember. Side sword open. That was it. That was back in February. Yeah, because that was. Um, I think just just after I was allowed to do stuff. Or, yeah, it was just after I was allowed out and about. Yeah, yeah, from the shoulder, which is which is getting there. Yeah. Um, so that's a good thing. Good. Um, yeah. So, no, I, I'm wearing my I'm wearing my Fiore shirt. Oh, beautiful! That's a nice one. That, that's from uh, that's a Hematis. Yeah, Martin's brand. Very nice. Yeah. Yes. Um. Okay. Uh. So. Obviously, the, the the question, my opening question to everyone has been for the main reason that we've had to go to live streams and not have the event. Yeah. Uh, which is, <laughs> you know, we we're all the whole world is locked at home. Uh, yeah. Mostly. With the with the COVID nineteen lockdown, so how's life been for you? Um, it's it has been interesting. I I think weirdly I've been suffering a bit because the gyms are closed. Yeah, that's um, so I don't have. Yeah, well, it's mostly it's mostly for the rehab, and because my house is so tiny, I I, I a have no space to properly train in the house, and b I have absolutely no. I I have a pair of two kilo walking weights. That's it. Um, so I've been improvising. I've been doing things like filling water bottles up and using tins and shoving things in rucksacks and then using them for like sandbags and things. Because um, you do yeah, every day, at least one video a day of your, your morning weight workout. You get up I'm doing something. I do. I, I get up just before dawn because there's no, no people out no until people. I'm finishing. Well, yeah, it's, it's really terrible. I'm going to, I have anxiety. Uh, amongst other things but um i have noticed that when i've had to go out to um like the supermarket which we don't do very often um or if i have to go into town because i've i've been i have a friend who's quite vulnerable and occasionally i will drop things off or they'll give me stuff to like post or whatever so when i go out since they've eased lockdown there used to be nobody about but now there are people and they're not social distancing and it's freaking me out it's freaking me out. Um, it's like, where did all these people come from? Why are they here? Go away. 
I was, I it's funny, isn't it, how we get used to things. I was uh, talking to someone yesterday and, and saying that when we started social distancing, lots of people got offended by yeah. the space we were giving each other. Mm. And, and that felt rude, rude almost mm -hmm. to giving people a wide berth. But now it feels rude when someone gets too close. It's the opposite. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, a bit weird. The new normal, isn't it? It is. So I, I'll, I'll come back to your HEMA origins, but I think yep. I asked you about this earlier, and I think it's very important that we touch on this, and it's the recent um, incidents in the United States, yeah. uh, the terrible news uh, about police brutality and the deaths of black yeah. people in the United States. Um, mm. as, as someone who born and raised in, in America, I was yeah. New York, York uh, yeah, I'm New York, New York Irish, I am. New York Irish, uh, I yeah. just wanted to get your your input on it. Well, it's, um, I've, I've just been been rereading stuff um, because it, it, things happened in, in very quick succession, so it was it was really quite difficult to take in. Yeah. Um, and um, it, it's just, I, I, my mind is blown. I've, I've like wept quite a lot today um mm -hmm. just reading things and one of the things that i just i have never been able to understand is you have a fully armed policeman and the other guy has nothing oh, and the guy with the weapon is afraid of the guy who has nothing mm -hmm. and the number of times that's happened it's you, you what is threatening about somebody who doesn't have a weapon yeah. unless they're like you know crazy ninja guy or something but seriously um okay there was something to do with counterfeit money he might not even have known it was counterfeit you don't know these we don't know because the poor man is dead because he they... died for the sake of 20 dollars a man has lost his life yes it's it's and i was i was it's actually i made myself watch um the washington post put together um based on cct cameras and people's phones and things they put together as best as they could what actually happened and what you could mm. actually see and it was just the 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 officer who killed him was in the third car to arrive mm. it took three cars and one was one it i don't understand the man had no weapon so it took but it took three police cars and the last two are the ones who just came in and heavy handed it. But, and then when people were begging them to stop, you know, you know, he can't breathe. They just completely ignored one. I think one woman tried to get in there and they pushed her away. Yeah. I think. Um, but it, it, I just find it horrifying that it, this is the 21st century. Yeah. And, and that this still happens anywhere, anywhere that it, it still happens, but that it, it seems to be, uh, more prevalent in in the US and in certain Definitely. parts of the US than in others. I mean, um, it's not doesn't mean it doesn't happen everywhere else. I think it. it uh, Will, Will Smith said it's always been here, but it's it's, it's just that we're seeing it now because of the oh, nature yeah. of technology. You can record it. There's body cams on the police. Yeah. Uh, there's there's everyone's Absolutely. got a on constantly. Yeah. Everything's uh, under surveillance. Oh yeah. Uh, but the United mm. States, uh, the problems with the police uh system and the, oh the, yeah definitely you know, the school to prison pipeline etc mm. it's 
it really does need a, a thorough a re complete overhaul yeah. complete overhaul because it's not working it isn't uh, and it just proves time and time again it's not working and then talk, talking of timelines like you said that everything that happened in the last few days it's just mm. you know it's really hard to keep up yeah but and when we look at the sort of timeline of of people from africa were taken over to you know the, the atlantic slave trade yeah um, and then for 300 years yeah plus uh you know they were they were enslaved mm -hmm. uh, and then um civil and then there was once slavery was abolished yeah uh, the you know the things didn't really improve for them an awful lot mm -hmm. and then you know the sort of amount of time we're talking is about another hundred years yeah, yeah I think, moved. I think it's rights movement was only like in the 60s so yeah and it, and not a lot has changed sadly yeah, it um, hasn't moved on um no in, um but i think I, I really wanted to sort of talk about that because mm. it felt because it is it's supposed to be blackout tuesday today and i yes. didn't want to use this platform for promoting my brand i wanted to yeah, talk yeah. Because it, it's important, because the the HEMA community, um, I'll say, it is startlingly white. Um, I, yeah, I was thinking about that. Um, <laughs> I also do modern fencing, and to be honest, I don't know. Is that I, even? I have not come across personally. I have never come across a black fencer. Yeah, um, and that yeah. could just be where I fence. But um, it's. I was thinking about that this morning. Um, that I've never seen a black HEMA uh, artist and I've never seen um, a, a, a black modern fencer. At an event? Um, mm -mm. No. No. I mean, yeah. I, and I, I kind of want to know why that is now. Yes, yeah, like, you know, we need more diversity uh, in our community. We, you know, there's some brilliant, you know, the thing is that there are, there are black people in the community, but I could probably name them all, you know, it's yeah. like... I've just not, I've just not met them yet. Uh, people of color to be representative of the society that we live in. It's uh, mm. it's it really does need to be more inclusive and Absolutely. encourage uh, more people of color to 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 participate. But mm -hmm. um, I will continue to you know I'm not going to just look, like do my little piece on uh, Black no. Lives Matter and then move on. Uh, no. I am going to continue to to uh, support black voices in the community and you know until something happens you know i'm yeah. just going to do so mm -hmm. um but let's just talk about you uh mm -hmm. so you're an actor yeah um and um you're also you do stage fighting as well don't you yeah yeah performance combat they call performance it now combat, um, yeah. stunt performance things like that yep that how you got into hema or was it the well, it, it's interesting because I was thinking about a lot of things. A lot of things I was thinking about. Um, one of the one of the weirdly nice things about lockdown is that um, I've actually been in communication with my family in the states more than normal because we set up Zoom calls and we and I was we we get to talking about when we were kids and then we did this that and the other thing. And I was thinking about it. I was like in my house when I was growing up and it was very small. We had there was a machete. There was a bayonet and there were was um some fencing foils because my dad they the bayonet belonged to my great grandfather who was in the American Civil War. Um 
the machete, I have no idea where they came from. I mean, my father had um, a, a boat steering wheel. So, you know, there was weird things in my house. And the, the fence <laughs> oil was, at some point, my father fenced for a bit. Um, my brothers were in, in the scouts. And I remember going to, there was an open family evening. Otherwise, the boys went and my dad might have gone with them or my mum might have dropped them off. But we were allowed to go. And there was a fencing demonstration. And I was like, oh. and I asked to have a go. And normally at these things, normally it's just the boys who do it, but I really wanted to. My brothers didn't want to. So I did Ooh. this and it was like, with a, it's a pointy thing. And it, I loved it. And then, then it was like, anytime I just picked up a stick and a stick was automatically some kind of sword <laughs> or something. Um, and then because opportunities did not. Look Irish, Arya Stark right now. Oh yeah. And then, um, <laughs> <laughs> and then because of you know where I grew up and how it was girls didn't do these things girls didn't play with there was no there was no fencing anywhere near me anyway really you had to go several towns out and because I was one of eight and fencing wow. is not a cheap sport <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm the third of eight so oh, yeah right. Irish Catholic family um yeah. so because because there were you know there were so many of us um it wasn't that that wasn't a thing um, you know, it was, I was expected to do ballet, um, but I was terribly, you might not realize it. I was very, very shy, absolutely painfully shy. And I went because my sister went. And when my sis, older sister was like, I ain't doing this. Um, I was like, I'm not going, I'm not going. And, mm. and the ballet teacher tried to talk my mom into, you know, tr try and get her to go. Cause she, she can be quite good, you know. And I was just like, no, no, no. And I didn't go. And who knows? I could have been a prima donna, you know, ballerina. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, so over the years, um, various and sundry things. Um, occasionally, I'd have some kind of weapon and some play or something. I don't know. But um, then I I did a, a summer a dr summer drama school in, in the UK, in, in Oxford. Mm -hmm. And that was quite fun. And I was determined to come back. And it, it took several years, um, but I did. Um, and then I studied Shakespeare academically, got a, a Master of, when master of Philosophy. The, when did you come to the UK? Uh, for good, 94. Okay. So, yeah, so I then spent three, three years doing a degree. And I took my degree, my Shakespeare degree, and then thought, okay, I'm going to try and go back into theatre and did little bits and pieces here and there. And then I set up my own theater company and 2011, we were doing the Duchess of Malfi. And I had at Birmingham school of speech and drama, they used to have like evening classes and I did some uh, stage combat there with Mike Bauer, who was really lovely. And um, I did really well, my level one and um, no, <laughs> I um a friend of mine and I, we went to go do it. And we failed because essentially you tried to do it really quickly because she had to go back to the state. So we failed. I took it again uh, and then I passed it. And then I took my second level past that, then went to do my advanced level and spectacularly failed that in, in a very public space. Um, and I've since learned that the guy who examined me has been barred from examining other people um, because he was a bully. Right. He was a bully. Uh, he made Simon Cowell seem like a pussycat. He was he was very cruel, right. and I won't I won't name him because 
he's he gets work. In fact, he does fight choreography for various theater people, but he is not a nice person. Anyway, um, I, I left that being completely emotionally scarred and I walked away from stage combat convinced I could not fight, I could not do this. And um, I then was directing Duchess Amalfi. I needed somebody to do the fights. A friend of mine who, she did her basic when I did my level two in stage combat, she constantly was like, oh, you know, if you want to do stage combat again, flyers, flyers, flyers. So I contacted her and they did the fights for my show. And then I started going there to do stage combat, um, which I quite enjoyed, um, learned an awful lot. And then um, I started to train to be an instructor and that was a very bad year, uh, 2014. Uh, I was training to be an instructor after I'd just been made redundant for my job. I was unemployed and I was training to be a sports and remedial massage therapist. So my brain just exploded Ooh. and everything I knew went, so I failed. Um, and then I walked away from that for a time. And then I came back to that for a time and um, uh, walked away again. We'll, we'll say I walked away again. Um, and, but over the, there was an overlap time where um, this guy who was teaching the um, stage combat had decided that he kind of wanted to form a HEMA club. So at first it was very informal and we used to do it in a, in a place in Birmingham at Minerva Works where they do um, circus skills and stuff in this huge room. And then over time, there were more people than there was space. So they had to find another place. Um, and I stayed with them for a bit longer. I left, I looked this up. I, looked, I left in 2018 because it just, um, there were personality issues and they were going in one direction and I didn't feel comfortable going in that direction. Um, and at this point, in, in between this point at some point, I had met you um, mostly through gloves. <laughs> yes. It was a discussion. There was a discussion about YouTube trying to find gloves. Yes. And then I watched yes. YouTube videos about the history of the different gloves. And I was like, oh my God. Uh, so then we got to talking. We got to talking. And then I was like, yes, these are people I want to study with, but they're in Godalming. <laughs> Sorry. And I'm in Stratford upon Avon. It's a little bit of a commute. Um yeah. So um yeah, so then I, I kind of I so I started with because that's what people did, I started with Longsword. But when I had been doing um the performance combat stuff and we were doing other weapons, um part of the philosophy of this particular school is to look at historical documents. So we were looking at we were looking at, you know, Capoferro and and Morozzo and all sorts of stuff. Um, and then you would be encouraged to go off and do your own reading and things. So, I, and you had to do a presentation on a weapon system. So I actually chose small sword, um, ah. which I really loved. And I was quite good at it. Um, like that. She's watching. Oh yeah. We had, we've had little chats about that. Um, <laughs> and at some point I should go up to Yorkshire and we'll play. Um, yeah. But yeah. So I wrote my thing on, on them. Um, on the small sword and um i really my you know i so from there so then it was long sword which when i was doing stage combat was my least favorite weapon <laughs> i was not a big fan of it um mainly because i like the tidiness of the small sword and i love the sweepingness of a, of a rapier and a rapier and dagger i love those things 
Um, so for me, I mean, and, and now I've learned you can have a great deal of beauty and finesse with longsword. But at yeah. the time, I was not convinced. It took uh, some convincing. Do you think, just sorry to interject, but yeah. the folks in HEMA are always very critical of sword fighting on stage, particularly with, oh, yeah. the, particularly with the longsword. Do you think mm -hmm. it's because it's maybe taught in a way that isn't quite as finessed as it could be? Yeah, I, I think that is a large part of it because um, part of the history of um, stage fighting and film fighting is reverse engineered. Um, a lot of early choreographers in film and stage were fencers, modern yeah. fencers, sport fencers, Olympic fencers, what have you. And they yeah. would then reverse engineer what they knew from modern fencing to historical stuff. Um, yeah. Before... So big and heavy let's make it look big and heavy can't yeah say. i mean not realizing that actually long swords aren't as heavy as people think they are mm. you know um even though you know the whole thing about you'd be trained from like the age of eight and blah 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 and you'd work up to it and you know while i'm sure that is completely true i mean you've been to the wallace collection yeah. have you not you've been to the royal armories you yeah. know these these if you are allowed to have a handle day you, as i think you have yeah. Um, you, you you do realize that these are not as heavy as people think they are. Oh, some of them some of them are slightly heavier. Depends on yeah. the, on the the blade shape and and length. But for the most part, you know. So when people are going like, oh, bash, bash. The other thing with um, stage combat, other particularly other schools, because the school I trained with has a different philosophy. They there is you know you would aim. I wouldn't if I was going to cut your shoulder. In real life, I would go for your shoulder because I would try and break the joint with the blade. Yeah. But you would actually aim for next to your shoulder. So they talk about things like hit the parrot on the shoulder or the thing on the, or yeah. the circle off to the side. So yeah. those things. And then it would be, there was a, not a great amount of control in some, some things because you'd be expected to stop things off to the side. You know, you'd be expected to physically stop something, which is very difficult to stop unless you're really, really brawny. Yeah. And then like the, the parries are always, I, I watch things now still and they're like, you know, like I'm going for, uh, I'm going to cut, you know, do a, um, a marot, um, meta, um, and you know, like, it's like, oh yes, that would never hit your head. Really. You know, things like that. You look at that. So, you know, no wonder people who actually are used to targeting and, look at these things and go, oh, that's just crap. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's got to be a balance, hasn't there? Um, yeah. I, I, I often find myself defending stage uh, combat because mm. it isn't, it doesn't have the same purpose as Ema. No. It's telling a story. It's part of the story. It's entertaining. Uh, I remember we had, uh, but my neighbours over the road are all actors. <laughs> and, uh, so the couple and their lodger and they all went to college together uh, they went to the Guildford School of Acting together oh cool yeah. and they wanted to come along to SOTS and they did a couple of classes and they said and they I said come and watch sparring you know this is this is real fighting and they said mm. I knew that they'd done stage combat and I thought this would appeal to them and they're like this is really boring <laughs> they said you know yeah. I'm expecting more they said but it's it's very conservative. Yeah, there's the movement's mm. really small. They said we're used to seeing big mm -hmm. monsters. Big sweeping stuff. Yeah. Sweeping stuff. 
which I can understand because you know when you watch a film you want to be entertained you want mm -hmm. to see, like the big cuts and everything mm. uh, but then of course you want it to be realistic you want to be yeah. you want it to be believable mm -hmm. um so I think you know there is a kind of middle ground that the sort of two communities can yeah get between them because it's funny how you just taught me two things about stage combat that I didn't know and that was that um that they are encourage the students to do research historical context well um, the school i trained with definitely well the, it, it the wasn't the tool is is yeah. uh, really interesting. it's not something that i ever would have considered i mean i knew i yeah. knew like i said i i knew that the early early chore uh, film choreographers uh, fight choreographers were from sports yeah. fencing backgrounds mm. and you can and you can believe that they kind of go oh yeah well we know our bit let's just assume mm. that everything that came before us was heavy and clumsy because we we know best yeah yeah but it yeah so i it's it's interesting to know that there, that there is an effort in the, the in the stage combat community to mm. to get it right yeah um, but it's also uh, kind of frustrating that those myths that we hear everywhere if you talk about swords everyone thinks they know a lot of stuff about swords mm. um mm. and you know when you start to look when you start to learn about um the objects and how they were used and stuff you you a lot of um myth busting happens yeah and even like if you see it on like the history channel people talking about swords and things and i saw a thing recently someone had a snippet from some documentary someone going to have a, a medieval sword in their house and it was quite obviously a reproduction Not and even to an untrained yeah. guy and it's just like how does the, how do, people just go yeah i'm a sword expert and the film crew goes yeah okay we believe you you know yeah you seem like you know what you're talking about but mm. anyway i digress <laughs> <laughs> um so on that topic i was just gonna say you're uh, stage fighting compared to hema yeah do you you know, we we we're kind of touching on this already. Do you think Hollywood, HBO? I'm thinking Game of Thrones. I'm thinking yeah. All, like recent in recent years, you know, got Lord of the Rings, all these uh, mm. story based films. Do you think there's things that they could do better? And do you think? Well, like like we were saying earlier, part of what they do is they're telling the story. Yeah. And and you know, as you, as your actor friends said when they went to the Hema, you know it serves a point in telling a story because you know <clears throat> you know you know if somebody was standing there in a in a ring you know for say so a hema thing and just started talking and just sort of dropped the garden thing the opponent you, you're not going to just stand there are you you're going to go you know but in in a dramatic setting you know like in Game of Thrones or something, they'd have speeches and, you know, they'd drop their guard or whatever and nobody, nobody'd bother them. And then, you know, and then they'd be set upon by, you know, four guys who would each wait their turn. But the, a lot of that is convention and it's, yeah. it, audiences get used to seeing that. So yeah. if it doesn't happen, they're, they're a bit, they're a bit put off. Um, as, as fights become more realistic, because some of them, they, they are getting better. Yeah. It depends on who the, choreographer is um and what the director will allow because you know a director of a film might not have any idea about weapons but they know they want fights in them yeah. so and, and they're like oh yes i want this this and this this but it it might not be you have to then the fight choreographer has to make that 
practicable. Yeah. Um, and you've got and the constraints and yeah. have you got the stage combat people to hand the body doubles? Do yeah. you have to train the actors up how to do it? How much time yeah. do you have to do all that? Yeah. I mean, things like a show like Game of Thrones, a lot of them, they would have been in training anyway um, for lots of reasons because some of them, I can't remember. I, remember somebody telling me like there were a couple of them that couldn't even ride horses. So they'd be, they'd be taught to do lots of things. So that would have been part of it. And then the fights would have been choreographed and they would have been run quite, quite a lot. Um, uh, part of that is just risk assessment and, and health and safety stuff, you, you, you know, you, just before, and then they'd have camera rehearsals and things to make sure that the angles were right where they needed to be. Because a lot of it, I mean, um, I'd be standing much further away from you if I was slicing at you. It would mm -hmm. be absolutely nowhere near, but the the way that it's angled, it looks, it's amazing what you can do. Yeah. Um, the editing. With, and, and the editing is brilliant because they could take like frames out to make things much go much quickly, much quicker. So a lot of like film fighting, you don't go as fast as you would mm -hmm. uh, because the camera can't catch it. So you have to go slower. And then if they need to, they could just pluck frames out and, and you'll never notice. Um, so it is quite, it's quite something. I think fights are getting better. Um, there, there are fights that will always be classic fights. You know, the Star Wars, um, all of those lightsaber fights will be, you know, those will always be epic. Yeah. Um, you know, they're not realistic anyway you know it's essentially a lot of a lot of the ones particularly when you get the double ones those that's called a lot of that's quarter star fighting anyway yeah which is cool and can be quite cool most people think oh it's two lumps of wood and they just thwack thwack but um yeah you could be quite i have a friend who's quite amazing with a quarter stuff um and uh yeah but but i do think it is getting better it's, it's improving, yeah. I mean, mm. you can go and look at some very cheesy uh, 80s movies uh, um, and sort of like B-movies and things. And there's some really, really funny uh, stage fighting in some of those. Mm. Um, I think it's, I think uh, for us as a community, we're very overly critical because we oh, yeah. consider no. ourselves the, the experts on this. Um mm. So and also it's a bit like you know you've once you've seen the mechanics of how things these things work it kind of takes the, all of that ma Hollywood magic away from mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. uh, it's only cast a critical eye. It's like a friend of mine who's a locksmith. Um, uh. he, he he gets really upset when people pick locks in films. He's like it doesn't work like that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> or people, someone I knew who was a lift engineer and he who'd get annoyed every time a lift would drop in a lift shaft in a movie. Mm -hmm. Like there, there, no, there are. There is just no way that that would happen. You know, yeah. many things would have to go wrong for that to happen. Mm. Um. So my next question for you. Yeah. Stage or screen? If you had to pick one. Uh, um. So the thing about stage is it's immediate. So you you immediately know what the audience thinks. Mm. Um, in fact, the audience is what completes the performance. You, you've been in a rehearsal room for weeks with people and you think you've nailed it down and, you know, you think the laughs are here, if there are laughs, you know, this is the bit that the audience should be moved in. And then you go in and every night it's different because the audience is completely different. So one night you might get a laugh at something and the next night you don't. And you've done 
pretty much the same thing, but you don't know why. But that's the, that's the audience. And I always find that terribly exciting. It also yeah. is both frightening and exciting when somebody dries. So they've forgotten their lines. They have absolutely no idea. They, um, because it feels so much longer on stage than it actually is. Because you're yeah. like, oh, my God, I've just watched my life pass before my eyes. <laughs> and it turns out that it's like it's like not even half a second. Um, so I, I quite enjoy that. But um, the thing about film is, A, you can keep, well, within reason, you can keep doing something until you get it just right. Um, the other thing with film, you can do some incredible things in film that you can't do, you can't do live on stage. Although I have seen some amazing things on stage, which I didn't think they'd be able to do. Um, there was a um, stage play called Ghost Stories, um, Andy Nyman, and some of the stuff they did in there, it freaked you out. Right. I mean, because I was like, how did they do that? And then it turns out that they were all essentially tricks done by a magician. He planned oh. the, all these special effects and these things. And it was just like, wow. Oh. I mean, my mind was blown. Yeah. And I mean, I've been going to the theater for like a very long time. <laughs> um, but yeah, the film, there's something particularly now, um, and scarily enough, they're now creating faces. So all these deep fake stuff, which is scary. Yeah. Um, but in things like motion capture, you can, you, in that you can be anything. You could be anyone. A yeah. Anything. You could be as tall or as short as thin fat, whatever that they, they want to make you. So that is incredible. Um, just in, in basic rate, you know, like regular film, is there a thing? I don't know. Um, I mean, I did worked on a film last year. Um, which now has been pushed back. So it won't come out till probably either the tail end of this year, or maybe early next year. And so not only did I act in it, but I was part of the stunt team on that. And that was really incredible because um, just, just the things that we were able to do um, in, in the stunts on a very small budget looked so amazing when we saw them saw them back through the thing so things that like it's like blue peter and then suddenly it's like oh my god it's george lucas you know <laughs> things like that it was quite incredible so what what was that film called it's called blade of the assassin oh it's yes. not out yet Hello, yeah no. i mean yeah. my my big thing is um is that i get set on fire that's my big thing <laughs> and I, I got to do it three times oh wow <laughs> we just finished the well the first take didn't i didn't actually ignite but that counts because i had the accelerant on but then after we did the first take, the um, stunt coordinator came out and he said, do you want to do it again? I was like, yes, can we, can we do it again? He's like, yes, yeah. so we did. So we just did a slightly bigger burn. So that was really a lot of fun. Um, I, saw and, you, uh, I saw you had a gun in that. I didn't, you know, did you? Yeah, get I did. I, I, I didn't. It, I, I'm kind of gutted because I'm like way up there on the crime hierarchy. So I have minions. Ah, so I was kind of like, I did, I do, I do do a, a, a quite shocking bit of violence. Um, I was kind of really hoping I'd do a lot more, but no, I have minions who do that for me. Um, <laughs> there is a fight. I do have a fight um, just before I obviously get set on fire um, that I have a, one of those flick out batons, you know, police batons. Oh, like the nightstick. Yeah, yeah, with the ones that flick out. Oh, the telescopic ones. Telescopic. That's what I couldn't think of. So I had one of those and I had a fight with that, um, which was quite cool. 
Um, but yeah, I didn't, I, I would be very envious watching the other people get to do some, you know, massive fighting. And then, then there's a huge fight yet to come that they were just starting to film just before we had lockdown. So now it's been pushed back, uh-huh. but I'm, I'm not in that because it takes place elsewhere. So I'm a bit gutted, but, but that's but it really. It looks a really fun film. I was, I've been following the page and the, all the yeah. sort of from it. it looks, there's lots of action in that one. Yeah, yeah there is a lot. A lot uh, of it. It's good fun. So you've, you've been doing, uh, you've been around, you're an actor yourself. You've been around mm. uh, actors for mm-hmm. a, long, a long part of your, you know, long time yeah. of your life. Yes. Um, what's the most, what's the most starstruck moment you've ever had? Oh, God. Okay, I have a Johnny Depp story for you. Okay, for it. Because um, while I was a student, I also did some film extra work because I wanted, because I, I was completely theatrically trained but had never done any film. I think I did two student films and that was like nothing. So rather than take, because I knew how to act and I knew how to sort of temper the performance to size of space. I wanted to pretty much know how film worked and rather than go to film school or whatever. And cause I was a student, I didn't have money anyway. So I managed to get on uh, the film Shakespeare in love as an extra. And then from there I got on sleepy hollow. Oh, cool. So sleepy hollow. Um, I was chosen by well, Tim. Hmm? I think I've seen pictures of you in that. Yeah. yeah. I, I managed to, uh, we were all put in this cafeteria at um, uh, Shepperton studio and Tim Burton and his team came through now, cause we were extras. He has very specific ideas of who would be a city person, who would be a village person, you know, sleepy hollow person. So he'd gone, th- we'd go through and he would point to people and they would be put on one table or another. And I was a sleepy hollow person. And then he decided that, um, he wanted me to be one of the little maids who opened the door when Johnny Depp first shows up in Sleepy Hollow in the house. And so me and this girl, who's the granddaughter of the guy who wrote Gormenghast. All right. So Peak of the family Peak, of which Maxine Peak is another one. Um, Her name was Florence. Lovely girl. And we were the two little maids and we were in the holding area, which was a big marquee. And um, we were called to set um, in, in the studio. So this buggy pulls up with Johnny Depp. In, in, we're in a studio, but it pulls up. He's wearing sunglasses and there's a driver. So he, he said, good morning, ladies. And we were like, it's like, oh my God. I'm like, I'm so embarrassed. So we get on the thing and we're, we're riding along and we're like trying not to giggle too loudly. And we get up to the studio door and he jumps down and he opens the door for us and says, after you ladies. And we're like, <laughs> Oh God, it's so embarrassing. So then we had to do this, this bit where he comes through the front door. He knocks on the front door. We open it. He comes through, he looks around, he does a cir- full circle, puts his luggage down and then you know, be cut. We did this like 20, 30 times. Wow. No word of a lie. Tim Burton is very exacting. And Every time he put them the luggage down, I would pick it up and hand it back to him. And every single time he said, thank you. Like, so 30 <laughs> something times. And he was always lovely about it. It was not like, oh yeah, thanks. But he was like, thank you. Thank you. And he'd go back out, we'd start again. So it was always, you know, it was always 
a good take, but he just yeah. wanted to tweak it slightly more. So, so he was really lovely. Um, everybody on that film was really lovely. Um, Christina Ritchie, um, who we were told not to talk to them. Oh. We were told not to talk to the actors. Yes. And then I thought, well, what do you do if an actor talks to you? Because I was staring at the floor and she kept saying, hello, hello. And then she like, and I was like, oh, oh. And she, and she was like, your, your costume looks really warm because I had this quilted bodice. And I said, oh, thank you. Your, your dress is really pretty. And she said, yeah, but it's not very warm because she had this beautiful blue silk dress on. And then sadly, she pitched down face down in the mud. And so Ooh. she had to stop filming for the night because... <laughs> I, I, I'll try and put rain in the story, but um, we had, it was, we were filming at night in February in just outside oh. of Marlowe in, in Buckinghamshire. And no. there had been snow at one point and everything and all the dirt roads in this little town, which they had built on this property, um, turned to mud. And so they would do things like you'd chuck hay into it to try and absorb it and things. Yeah. It, it was, it was the color of, liquid milk chocolate and it smelled like rotting fish it was horrible and they couldn't do anything about it we had to stop wearing our costume period shoes because they were getting destroyed by the mud so everybody was wearing wellingtons under their their dresses and things it was oh it was something and then she tripped down the the steps of the church and flat on her face oh yeah that was fun so we had we had to film something else that night um but yeah but that was my my johnny depp story so he was, nice. he was he was set. lovely he was absolutely lovely i worked some very lovely people when i was doing extra work very very kind and considerate people okay so i'm gonna i'm gonna throw in the questions i've got more questions but i'm gonna throw yep. it to the viewers see uh, up in from sue earlier and i'm sure there's more um let's see what captain kirk wants to know uh, sue says what is your favorite hema weapon and or <laughs> Ah, uh, right. Well, I do love small sword, and I'm not saying that because Sue asked uh, yeah. the question. Um, in fact, I wish I could do more small sword because um, I I really enjoyed the finesse of it and the nice little very tidy things you can do with it. Um, and similarly, I love rapier because I love I love things that you can do with it and rapier and dagger. The there's just something about a single hand weapon, even if you're having two weapons in different hands, there's something about that, which I like more Ooh. than, a I, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm becoming convinced that, you know, longsword is a, is a beautiful weapon and Fiore if, um, and makes it. So I believe Fiore makes that quite clear that it's a beautiful weapon, but um, I really do miss the sheer beauty of rapier and small sword and rapier and dagger. Mm. Um, and I did get, I did get mine out um, and had a little play. I didn't film it cause my camera on my phone keeps playing up, but um, yeah, just little, just little simple things. Mm. Yeah. So small sword. small sword is the one. Yeah. Let's see if anyone else has asked. Anyone else got any questions? Um, Nick says, no questions from me, but it's really nice to see that you're keeping on, Kelly. It's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> um, so if anyone else has got any questions, please add them uh, in the comments section. I'll go. I'll continue with uh, okay. my 
because you mentioned Fiore. Yeah. And uh, when you taught at By the Sword last year, you did a really, really fun class, which I'm really gutted I didn't take part in. I was watching from the sidelines the <laughs> on, on, <laughs> on Fiore Dagger. On the dagger, yeah. So yeah. I, I want to know, you, you like Fiore, you've just expressed that, you know, it could be the thing that convinces you that, that Longsword is finessed and finessable. Mm. Uh, would you, do you prefer Dagger or Longsword? Um, I I think I do prefer a dagger, mm-hmm. um, mainly because you can because you get you can get right in there with it. I mean, you can with longsword, but then you have you then end up doing something else because yeah. you know, you start off with you know he starts off with the abrazari and the wrestling, and then you move on to the the dagger, and then you move on. So it's all progressional. So if you start off with the the abrazari, most of the moves you do in abrazari are hello same move but now i have a dagger in my hand same move but now i have a long sword in my hand um but you it's just the the close quarter stuff with that um that i quite like and some of the some of the the later plays are quite amusing there's there's the one which i did in the second (laughs) workshop with with masha being a lovely assistant um with the the low blow um (laughs) I mean, some of them, you know, I, you, you think about where is this going to come up in real life? And then suddenly somehow he figures out, yes, this can, if somebody does this to you, this is what you do back. And it's like, wow. And then you knock him to the ground and you take the weapon and then you kill him. Um, yeah. But some of those, some of those plays in Dagger, I find very creative. Um, yeah. Which you don't quite get so much with, with the long sword. Um, but yeah. So yes, o- over the two of them, then yeah, dagger. Yeah, Fiore. I haven't tried. I haven't tried. Some really, because he. Sorry. Hmm? Yeah, because he he because he's one of these uh, folks that teaches a system, uh, and as you say, the yeah. things you do with the, the wrestling, you do with the dagger, and you do it with a long sword, and it kind of progresses through the system. It's similar to Bolognese, you know, all the ter- same terminology yeah. throughout, the same movements used throughout. So because you're just changing what it is you've got in your hands at all it, it that's when it gets really interesting i think is just seeing how mm-hmm. would you do that with this weapon and it, there's, there's some really yeah. funky things that he does like putting hands around the back of someone's uh you know the dagger goes behind someone's head and you're you're kind of doing this kind of motion or mm. all these kind of thing motions is uh, to do with the which comes on from the wrestling movements which is mm-hmm. Yeah, the It really makes that quite um, dying. Mm. Something else. Yeah. Um, so we did touch on this at the beginning. Uh, you had mm-hmm. a soldier. Even talk now. Shoulder surgery. Uh, yeah. Something like thirty weeks ago or something like that. And you, yeah. you're still diligently going through what you have, and it's yep. a thing that up again and again again in these interviews and I was interviewed that mm-hmm. question came up again so it's becoming clearer to me over time that the reason that we all train fitness is not 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 so much to do with strength it's to do with injury prevention would you agree yeah 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 I I do um I also I'm also hypermobile so I need right. to keep the muscles around the joints strong otherwise things just you get high flop about that is part of the reason why i ended up on. having have the, the shoulder yeah um 
the, I mean, years ago, I actually, I didn't dislocate, but I separated the left shoulder where it, the Ooh. ligaments and tendons got a bit stretchy. So I had to work yeah. on reestablishing that. So it's funny that this one went, but um, yeah, so a lot of it is to keep from getting injured or recovering from injury uh, and making sure that it doesn't happen again. So I do, I'm, that's so, a lot of that. Sue has just asked a question, which I was going to ask you as well on the back of this. Yeah. Um, would, are there any, rec are there any exercises? Uh, would you recommend any preventative, preventative exercises slash stretches specifically for HEMA? Um, yes. Um, I, I, there, there are several because one of the main, one of the main things that people end up having problems with is shoulders is one um yeah and then it doesn't even really matter which yeah it doesn't really matter what weapon it is is a lot of shoulder injuries and it's just some of it is just overuse and and a lot of people don't take into consideration that your four rotator cuff muscles are just there to hold your shoulder in they're yeah. not supposed to they're not supposed to do other stuff but because people don't concentrate on strengthening their back I mean, Susie would tell you, um, you know, Susie, I'm sure would tell you all about that. Um, but it's really, if you, people need to, particularly their upper and mid back, they really need to strengthen that. That would help with, with immediately sitting shoulder on that. injury. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm slumped at the moment. It's okay. Um, it, it's just when we, the way we sit with our postures with laptops and things, you end up with your your what we call it your shoulders get protracted so they come forward your pec muscles get very tight because they're pulling them in they they then are stretching the muscles around the back and then that's where it hurts You're like oh that really hurts not realizing that it's actually your pec muscles so if you were to stick your your fingers into your pec muscles you might feel that gee that really quite hurts and the reason it does yeah it's because it's tight everybody don't think about it yeah everybody check your pecs um so but if you loosen those off, oh, then suddenly God. the shoulders will relax back. But then you do have to wow. concentrate on retracting your scapula. So, so you, you concentrate on just bringing the shoulders back so that you try and concentrate on making them meet. They probably won't unless you're really, really amazingly flexy there. But, um, but th um, resistance bands are brilliant because you could do things with just the little subtle movements that just bring the, the, you know, bring the arm away. You can see part of my bedroom now. Uh, mm. bring, bring the arm, to concentrate on that. You were talking about um, people have problems with forearms. Um, yeah. There are, I mean, hell, I should just do some videos. Um, That's it. Yeah, I will. That's what I'll do. I'll do some <laughs> videos. That's what Sue's trying so, to do. Because Can my screen is too tiny. Sue, I will do, <laughs> I will put some videos up. I'll put some videos up on the Hema with pajamas or what, but some of those I'll put them up. But anyway, I give you my knowledge for free, yeah. but um, also people <laughs> get sort of the Hema equivalent of like tennis elbow, golfer's elbow. A yeah, lot of that so is because people need, people don't think about their forearms. People do not think yeah. about working on their forearms. All the muscles in your forearms actually control these. Yeah. That's what they do. They just control these and make your, you could turn your hand and, yeah. and your arm. Other than that, you know, that's the, those are very quite important. So shoulders, forearms. Um, I would also recommend um, hip flexors, 
and um, glutes um, because particularly if you think of you know your your stances uh, stances and movements because you're slightly crouched depending upon which system you do some like you to crouch even deeper than others um, that puts a lot of strain on your quads it puts quite a bit of strain on your hip flexors um, so you need to also work your, your uh, hamstrings as well so I, I could put some stuff together you know things things I mean ankles you know I mean I think a couple of people have ended up with um, ankle sprains uh, things I've been to right. um, people falling over and done their ankles <laughs> over back yeah, but um, yeah, no. definitely that would be my pleasure. No, no, I said I'd happily put something together that would be well, that people could should be able to make use of, um, and I could offer options like if you don't if you don't have a resistance band, you could do this, whatever. But yeah, I I should do that. I should make myself a note, and this would be a good thing because people don't always and that's people don't always um warm up and cool down yep. I'm just plugging in the chart breaking up a wee bit <laughs> yep. the questions just come in um, haven't done but would like to try I haven't Something I haven't done. Sorry, screws up. I'm cutting out here. Sorry. Yeah. Did you catch what I said then? Something about um, something I haven't done, but I'd want to try. Some, something that you say so you've done long sword, you've done a small sword. And, yep. you know, is there anything else? And rapier and dagger that, that you've mentioned rapier that you'd like I've to done. do? I've done sword anything? and buckler. Um. I I would love <laughs> I would love to have a go at, at um what is that montante the huge ones not spadoon yet I just love I just love the beauty of that um uh I honestly would like to do some either you know spear or poleaxe or something something like that because I've not used I mean quarterstaff I've done quarterstaff <coughs> but you know, I kind of want to go slightly beyond that. What else would I want to do? I'd like to do tomahawk. Tomahawk. <laughs> tomahawk. I, I did a uh, workshop where we did some, we did some tomahawk and like Bowie knife thing combo going, um, which was interesting. Um, but yeah, anything i'm i'm quite ha i would like to try everything and anything i'd even try saber which i don't like well i, I don't like modern saber because it's just modern saber to me my experience of it is just people constantly hitting me in the head <laughs> yeah that's annoying that's really uh it rude. is very annoying it's like can you do something else I, <laughs> when i was learning when i was learning we moved on to saber and the guy who was with us like yeah this is my weapon he go poof and I'm like, could, could you do something else? Because like, this is really starting to hurt. I'm wearing a mask and it's really starting to hurt. I was like, saber, not for me. Definitely not. Mm -mm. No. Other people, beautiful. Maybe English saber, but but definitely not modern saber. I will never do that one again. Maybe some uh, like British military <coughs> or something like that. Oh yeah, that would be cool. 
I mean, getting cool. dunked in the head by one of those isn't very nice, but... Uh, no, it isn't. It isn't. It it's isn't. Uh, a different pace, I'd say. Mm. Uh, Nick says, side note, Maya is the prettiest longsword, of course. Um, oh, yeah. Yay. There's Rob. Um, oh, yeah, we've talked about uh, you doing some videos. Has anyone else got any questions for Kelly before we finish? I don't know. What, do you, have you got the time there, Kelly? I haven't got access to a, a clock at the moment. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Go to at Swordwomen on Instagram to see upcoming interviews or visit bythesword.net for information about our event or look for our Facebook page, By the Sword.